1: From KQED.
0: One of the first things that KQED food writer Ruth Gabresos noticed at the beginning of the pandemic was how much people within communities and neighborhoods were helping
1: each other out. Mutual aid is is often practiced by people inside of a community who are intimately uh, experienced with the disparities of that community. There's a
0: long history of mutual aid in the Bay Area, when neighbors stepped up to fill the gaps that the government or private corporations didn't. During the pandemic, mutual aid looks like people shopping for other people or these community refrigerators that have popped up in different neighborhoods. So when Ruth got some emails from a tech company that set up their own fridges, it raised a flag for her.
1: There's so much dissonance here in the Bay where you get to see both sides. You get to see the organizing. Um, that's so active. And then you get to see some of the actors who are pushing this disparity that requires so much organizing for.
0: Today, we're taking a look at the role mutual aid has played during this crisis and why its values are worth protecting. I'm Devin Katayama, welcome to The Bay. slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S.
1: Thanks. Food insecurity was top of mind for me, obviously, as a food reporter, but for everyone.
0: Ruth Gabresus is a food reporter and columnist for KQED Arts and Culture.
1: Grocery stores were supposedly running out of really essential items like milk and eggs and flour. And... Some folks were afraid to go to the grocery store because they seemed like high exposure areas. Schools figuring out how to set up school meals for children who are now being schooled at home all of a sudden and were losing um, some guaranteed meals that they were planning to get at schools. Um, Video footage of long lines at food banks, just cars and cars deep. Those are the things, yeah, that came out of of that moment in March and in April.
0: So there's all this food insecurity with the pandemic, where does the idea of mutual aid come into the picture for you?
1: Pretty soon after the pandemic, it seemed like grocery lists and mutual aid networks were being circulated, at least among my group of friends and and the community I'm in here in the East Bay. So um, I had friends who were shopping for folks, receiving money from these folks to go get the groceries they needed and deliver them. So these mutual aid networks were almost immediately present
0: So let's step back a little bit. What exactly is mutual aid?
1: I think the simplest and most elegant way to explain it is that it's a system of community care that is based on a very elegant phrase, which is to give what you can and take what you need. It's a system of care that that prioritizes communal and collective survival over individual survival. So to care for your neighbor and to care for others in any way that you can and to receive care from your neighbors and to receive care from your community is the way to make it from, from one day to the next and to the next. For example, I was going on a walk in Berkeley and I saw a Berkeley Mutual Aid Network poster that asked if people were either in need or were, had access to vehicles or funds to um, run errands for people, do pharmacy deliveries, I saw others that were child care, mutual aid. So if people were able to care for people's children while they were going to work since schools were shut down, there were some that were hyper-specific. And that's one of the, I think, pillars of of mutual aid is that the needs can be as specific uh, and the communities can be as specific as, as they need to be and as they are. So it's the idea of helping and giving and receiving without much expectation around uh, anything besides the belief in this communal survival. How
0: long has, has mutual aid in this context been around? I feel like this is something that people have been doing for a really long time, but maybe not necessarily under the, the label of mutual aid.
1: It is not a new concept, but in this model, as a response to crises like a pandemic, I think it's existed for a long time. If you look at the Black Panthers, for example, There are a lot of grocery items still to be put into these bags, the biggest one being a fresh chicken. That'll be put in at the last minute tomorrow. The Black Panthers estimate that the value of each of these grocery bags is in excess of $10. They had survival programs like free breakfast, like um, rights to different prisons so that folks can visit their families, like commissaries for incarcerated people. Uh, We expect way over 6,000 people to uh, uh, come down and get their free bags of groceries and also to register, to vote. Getting seniors groceries, get, making sure they're getting home safe and senior escort programs. So these type of programs in response to those needs have been have been around for a long time. So that in the future, the black community and other poor oppressed people in any kind of vote will be unified around concrete survival programs like this so the people won't be asked by the uh, politicians to endorse them, but the politicians will have to endorse people's community survival Program, such as free food because people got to eat every day.
0: And I know one of the forms of, of mutual aid that you wrote about and that you, that you were following were the fridges that were popping up around the Bay Area. Can you tell me about how you first learned about the fridges and how do they work?
1: The first one I saw close to Where I am, it was in Oakland and it was by a collective that goes under the title Town Fridge. Town, of course, referring to the city of Oakland. And the first one was in West Oakland and soon after they proliferated all across the city. I think there's 11 fridges now. So how they work is that a fridge is put up in front of a business or a private home. Um, and it is stocked by the community with specific needs posted on the fridge on how to label what to put inside the fridge, what to leave out. And there's an Instagram account that often updates which fridges, uh, are in need of what. So maybe one fridge has a surplus of chili, uh, all boxed up and ready to go. And so people say, Hey, the fridge on 34th and Linden or wherever it might be is full. So please go give to other fridges.
0: And and what do you know about the people who are either supplying the fridges or using the fridges
1: I don't know much to be honest and I think that's by design so the volunteers behind town fridge declined a request for an interview for the story I was doing and I think they have a healthy distrust of the media which I can appreciate because what their work is does not necessarily have a ton of analogs as far as narratives go in the media so Maybe they're afraid of being construed as a charitable organization, which they're not. Each fridge has has a sign that says, this is not charity, this is mutual aid. So they're really quick to distinguish um, themselves from what media organizations might understand as charity and mutual aid. So I don't know too much about who's behind them, even though I'm familiar with some of their volunteers. And as far as the people who are using the fridge, either donating or taking uh, what they need from the fridges, I'm not sure either. And I'm not sure it's for me to know. I was trying to get in touch with the folks over at Town Fridge and try to get them to agree to do an interview with me, and I was failing. At the same time, I was getting tons of emails from this grocery delivery startup that wanted to tell me about um, the community fridges that they were placing around the Bay Area to address food insecurity. I got the emails probably late September and in August, and I was a bit curious and finally got in touch with somebody at Cheetah, which is the company that sent me the emails.
0: So what exactly did the email say? And then what was this company doing?
1: Cheetah is a grocery delivery startup based in San Francisco. Um, initially, they started out delivering to uh, restaurants only. And after the pandemic, they've expanded their business to be direct-to-consumer as well. So Cheetah has a couple concerns. Food insecurity happens to be one of them. The other is food waste. So they're a company that's intent on um, getting their food waste down to zero and they saw community fridges as a way to to help achieve that goal. Essentially, it said this grocery delivery startup is addressing food insecurity by placing community fridges in the Bay Area. So what Cheetah does is place community fridges in front of businesses or individuals who are willing to host these fridges. Cheetah ostensibly purchases these fridges though they do not pay for the electricity. They also maintain these fridges, and once a week they stock them with what would have been food waste. Cheetah works with um, food pantries, but some items don't get sold and some items are rejected by food pantries because food pantries have their own sets of regulations and needs and demands. So what's not able to be sold, what's not able to be given to a food pantry is stocked inside these Cheetah community fridges.
0: So what about what Cheetah is doing is different than from what the town fridge and other mutual aid is doing?
1: Mutual aid, of course, as the name implies, is based in mutuality. So let's say you or me, an individual, is donating a pound of tomatoes and some carrots and a gallon of milk inside a fridge. The scale of that of that giving or the scale of that taking, sh- should I take that kind of thing from a fridge, is so different than how a tech company, a delivery startup company, participates in community care. So if you look at mutual aid as this organizing principle and fridges as the medium for that organizing principle, it just didn't make sense to me that a company of that size and that caliber thought that food insecurity should be best addressed at their scale through community fridges.
0: What do you think is the biggest problem with Cheetah using the term mutual aid in all these emails that you're receiving and all this press that's going out.
1: I don't know if they used the term mutual aid in their emails. They said community fridges and and food insecurity were sort of the terms they used, but um, if I if I were to to look at community fridges as a medium of mutual aid, which I believe them to be, then their participation in that medium is skewing and lopsiding what is a pretty powerful way to engage in community care. I don't see I don't see any use in policing people's language. Terms like mutual aid are going to get co-opted by different organizations, by the news, by corporations. I think for me, um, in my column, I just wanted to spend some time making sure the distinction between a corporation's food waste strategy and publicity strategy distinctly. Uh, was removed from the actual models of mutual aid and mutuality, which live completely in a different and in a different place that capitalism does not make space for, as I say.
0: It seems like you're concerned that those two things might get conflated, like the profit motive of a business, even if they're saying, you know, saying things that sound pretty good versus like the community care aspect.
1: Yeah. I am afraid of that.
0: There's so much need right now and there are all these tech companies and other companies with money saying, here's what we're doing to help. Is it wrong to believe that these companies can really help us solve some of the big social problems that we're facing right now?
1: I'm not sure it's wrong to think that. So there's people who are trying to figure out ways to help and the problems that we have at an individual level how stumped we might feel, how hopeless we might feel about how to help and how to participate, I can believe that a collection of people that make up a company can feel that stumped and hopeless and try to find a way to intervene in in what seems like a really desperate situation and a really desperate time. So I have to believe that some of these efforts are sincere. Maybe most of them are. But sincerity is not quite what I'm interested in measuring. I'm interested in impact, So if you're a company at at that scale, in, in the millions and tens of millions of dollars, if you are interested in making a giant impact or really radically shifting, let's say, a problem like food insecurity, the questions you should be asking yourself are not how you intervene in small communities, but in what ways you're perpetuating power dynamics and disparities that have existed long before you've come and are maintained by the economic and social systems that you're participating in. And maybe that's a bit abstract. So to unabstract it, it's, what are you willing to give up as a company to make sure that people are not food insecure?
0: What do you think all of this, all the things that we've talked about, says about life in the Bay Area right now when we're going through so much?
1: there's so much dissonance, right? So on the one hand, the Bay Area is a place where mutual aid networks are a perfect fit because people are really curious and eager to help each other. And people are also seeking a lot of help because of the income inequality, the housing crisis, how much unemployment has ravaged this area because of the closure of restaurants and other service industry to work. So it's a place where mutual aid is a perfect match but at the same time, we're also in an environment where tech companies exist and have sort of skewed the the cost of life and maybe are also skewing some models of mutual aid like we saw with Cheetah. So it's a dissonant existence here in the Bay where you get to see both sides. You get to see the organizing um, that's so active, and then you get to see some some of the actors who are pushing this disparity that requires so much organizing for.
0: Ruth, thank you so much. Thank you. Ruth Gabresus is a food reporter and columnist for KQED Arts and Culture. To see your full column on this, you can check out the link in our show notes. This episode of The Bay was produced by Erica Cruz Guevara and our editor, Alan Montesilio. KQED's podcast leadership team includes Jessica Placek, Erica Aguilar, Vinnie Tong, Ethan tovin Lindsay, and Holly Kernan. The Bay is made by your local public media station, KQED. I'm Devin Kadayama, That's it from us. Talk to you next time.
1: That's right, a dollar and ninety-nine cents. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading. Hey
0: there, this is Brittany Loose from NPR's It's Been a Minute. Hey QED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more